but I'm, I'm going to call them angel investors. Yeah, I, they they get they're they're financing a food truck. The guy's not going to turn it into a hundred million dollars and take it public. But they're still great money and growth, and they just partner. Let's make a phone call. Let's go eat lunch. What do you want to do? This is your day, Brad. Oh, it's your world. I just live in it. Welcome to season two, episode three. We're going to talk about some financing today. How do I fund that business? I want to talk about some different ways to do that. Talk about VCs, family and friends, bank loans, personal finances, just the different ways we can get started in business and how we fund the growth. My preferred method of financing depends on what we're doing and where we're at. I mean, are we talking about a million dollars? Are we talking about $10 million? Are we talking about starting something out of our garage, out of an idea and and you know, I can start this thing for a hundred bucks. Number one on our list, approximately 65% of all businesses are started with personal finances. Where's that money come from? It could be family savings, could be from primary income, meaning your job, a second job, your spouse's job. While we're bootstrapping a business, a lot of times we can run into a point where we need more financing. So we've got it to this point. We got a big order. It's an opportunity. We need plant and equipment. Maybe it's a machine in the garage. You know, these, these are all real things that happen. And maybe you're saying, well, that doesn't look like my business at all. You know, I've got a drop ship business. Okay, I understand. What about when you get that big order for those of you that are in drop shipping and you need the money up front to pay for the merchandise and you don't have it? Whatever that looks like. Funding a business, a lot of times the, the only way to get going, the only option is personal finances. It could have a negative effect in other areas of your life. And a lot of it depends on your attitude. I mean, I know my attitude, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I just kind of put those blinders on and it didn't matter that I'm not going to sleep, love to golf. I'm going to put the golf clubs up for a while. I'm not going to get to go fishing with my buddies. My choice. But those are real things considered. And I'll tell you what, once you get to the other side, there's nothing like it. Get a golf fish, all I want, all those, all those great things, right? When we talk about personal finances, unfortunately, many times it takes a lump sum of cash when we get this going. So we've, we've got this idea, and then we need whatever our business looks like. We need the money for inventory. We need a little bit of money to get going. Basic stuff, right? I need, I need a fax line. Oh, that's kind of old. Probably most of us don't need that. But how about a laptop? You know, need a new laptop, need a new desktop, probably don't need to hire the employee out of the gate, but it, it's all these little things that add up. I could, you know, easily spend $5,000 just kind of getting the office set up if I had the money. And if I don't have, and I got to have a computer, you know, instead of spending a couple grand on the nicest laptop, how cheap can I do it? Can I do it for 300 bucks and get away with it till I make some money? What about the inventory? You know, what about all these things? We've got to have the finances for that. And unfortunately, about 70% 
of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings. I know for some of you that may be hard to believe. It's just a factual statistic. What do we do about that? Because of the financial situation of a lot of people, we can be prevented from starting a business because we don't have the funding. The pros of self-funding a business, it gives us as founders complete control. We don't have to answer to anybody. There's no bank. There's no loan at the end of the month. There's, there's no investor that's telling us what to do or asking us questions or holding us accountable. We can grow the business at any pace we feel comfortable when we're self-funding. That's up to us. If you don't want to work today, you don't have to. If you want to take next week off, you can. If you want to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's up to you. The downside of personal finances, funding your business is growth could be stymied. Maybe we have to grow at a slower rate because we don't have the money. We're funding as we get the money in. So what do we do in that case? We'll talk about some other options. Another popular source of funding is friends and family referred to F&F. Uh, commonly, and this fits in the 64% of those that funded themselves. Friends and family is popular because friends and family, they know you, they love you, they trust you, they believe in you. It's your idea, it's your dream. They want to see you succeed. They want to see your dreams come true, etc. And you've got this great idea that you're passionate about, you're enthusiastic about it, and let's go. Everybody's going to make some money. Fits right in there with personal finance. Very popular. So this is the bulk of funding for startup. You know, other entrepreneurs have the desire to insulate themselves from their family. And they don't choose to go this way. The reason being, if something goes south, it doesn't work out. It can strain those relationships. So some people will stay away from that. I'm very passionate. I'm all in. Friends and family, I've not done that. It's just personal desire and we're all in a different spot. We've got to do what we're comfortable with and what works out for us. Just some of the pros and cons of friends and family. Typically, friends and family, you're on good terms. They want to be part of your business, see you succeed. Those are the pros. They're vested in you more than the business. That's a good thing. They're going to encourage you, etc. They're flexible, flexible with the payment. And in some cases, when we've got friends and family and we need a second round of funding, we can go back to them. That's where a lot of it comes from, 64%. Things can get a little bit complicated if the business is not going as well as it should have sometimes. We've got friends and family that put in money that they really don't have. And I don't mean they don't have the money to actually give you, but they're thinking, okay, this is going to come back in 12 months. You know, we need that money back to pay off whatever it is. Or we really believed in this, so we went and mortgaged our house and now it's not working. Things can get a little, a little weird. Um, those are the cons and not telling you not to do it. It's just be aware, whether it's personal funds or friends and family, at some point, the business could take a positive uptick and that funding is not enough for the growth. While that could be a good thing for the business, 
we can't go back to the family. Hey, I need $10 million. Most families are going to say, well, we can't do that. And if your family can, you're in a fortunate situation. The third option we have, approximately 17% of us as entrepreneurs will go do a bank loan. Traditional bank loan, most of us know kind of what that looks like. They typically want to see some history. You've been in business for a while. You've been around for a while. Unless you're not getting that loan on the business, maybe you can do that personally and you're underwriting it personally. Certainly banks and lenders out there loan to businesses. You may know of some avenues that they will loan money to a business with little or no history based on an idea. Maybe you're purchasing a business that's already existing and that's a little easier to typically get financing on. The bank will have a factor number if we're buying a service business like an accounting practice. Well, I just happen to know the numbers on that practice for the bank are it's either one times gross or three times net. And those numbers should be about the same. Small accounting firm is grossing a million dollars a year. Their take home is going to be about 333000 be a third. Or if we take that 333000 the the net, and multiply it by three, we come up at a million bucks. The bank's going to value that at about a million bucks. So you go in the bank and here's what I'm buying. We're really buying some cash flow. What will they loan on that? And then that depends on your relationship with the bank and how you want to structure that deal. That'd be another segment when we talk about structuring. They have a fixed interest rate typically. It may be a variable tied to something in the market. The point is you're going to have a note that you're paying back typically on a monthly basis. At the end of the loan term, a lot of times we have principal plus interest is required to be paid in full. They're not necessarily going to finance you a million dollars over the next 30 years. It may not make sense in that business, depending on how the business goes and the cash flow, it may not make sense that, hey, I can't pay you $25,000 a month. I can't pay you $50,000 a month getting started out. And for small business, that may sound like a big number, but it all depends on the size of your business. Many times while they're loaning on that cash flow is their building attached. Would you be willing to personally sign your house? Do you want to do that? Is your spouse okay with that? Somebody else's name on the house. Do we have to get another signature? Some loans require personal guarantee. You may want to consult an attorney before you go down that path. Real business, right? Personal guarantee. When we get in bed with the bank, so to speak, if that thing doesn't work out and we've got a personal guarantee, they may be coming to get your house, your car, your firstborn. You're signing up there and you're, you're pledging some assets to get that done. You know, bank loans can also take the form of an SBA. There's some other avenues to look into that could be advantageous to your situation. The U.S. Small Business Administration Guaranteed Loans, it's part of a federal program, even though it may be through your local bank. They are going to require some things like a business plan, etc., that could be beneficial to you, but it takes time. It's going to take time to go through that. You're not going to get that loan tomorrow.
SBA loans typically range from about 5% to 8%. And of course, it's going to change a little bit with inflation. The whole idea of an SBA loan is it's the promotion by the federal government for small business. Those loans typically cap out at around $5 million. Other types of small business loans, we could take out equity in the home, pledge something else that's in our business, pledge by meaning leverage, you know, take the equity out of something else borrow against unpaid invoices you know sometimes that's called factoring the pros and cons of bank financing the pros to it are it's a fixed number it's a predetermined timeline you know what that looks like if we're doing sba we know it's five to eight percent interest not a bad rate they're going to be a little more lenient forgiving, not on timeline, but as far as interest rates go, a little easier to qualify for up to $5 million. The cons of a bank loan are when it's a startup, we don't have predetermined cash flow. We don't have any history. We don't have a record and it's a little more difficult to qualify for that traditional bank loan. We don't have any history really to show them. As we're getting started, traditional financing through a bank loan is not going to be an option for most startups. So our fourth option here is equity. When we talk about equity, we hear the term VC, venture capital. Well, in, in the whole market segment, equity only makes up 1% of all businesses are started with equity. And good reasons for it. But what's equity really mean? You've heard about VC. You've heard that term, probably, or angel investor. You've heard that term. What's that mean? VC money, it's, it's going to be very specific. And I'm going to share some statistics with you that are probably little known. To entrepreneurs, but they're factual. The VC, the venture capitalist, they'll own as little as $100,000, sky's the limit. But what all these guys are looking for, they are looking for growth and cash flow. That's what they're looking for. They want to see a company in five to 10 years, can this thing be a $100 million deal? There's an exit strategy. You know, we're going to sell this thing off and make a whole bunch of money, or we're going to take it public, etc. was in one of these deals in the past four months. The chances of getting VC money are slim. I say it's a 1% deal. 79% of all venture capital money is spent in the 10 largest cities in the United States. If you're not in one of those 10 largest cities, Chances of you getting funded are low. 77% of all venture capital money goes to teams of white males. I make it up. It's factual statistic. So if you're not in one of those cities, you don't fit that team. What's our other options? Are we just out of luck? No, we've got angel investors. Angel investors, those statistics a little bit different. Okay. Angel investor is... Maybe a wealthy family. The criteria is typically not as stringent. They could do as little as $5,000. Their parameters and exit strategy typically a little different. They're not necessarily looking to 
take it public or be at a hundred million dollars. As an individual, I can have different deals. I can have a small deal over here with the friend that's getting started and looking to turn the business into something. And I get to say, Hey, we're going to partner up. We're 50, 50 in this deal. We're going to share the profits. Or I could say, Hey, you know, here's a loan, pay me back when you get started. Or I could say, Hey, Let's go to the attorney. Let's draw up some paperwork. Here's what I want. Different deals are different. So what is Shark Tank? Well, I think some of the deals are kind of angel investor type thing. And they want some kind of return. They just kind of set the parameters. We don't necessarily see that on screen. And then I think some deals are, you know, this is a major play. We're going to a Fortune 500 company. It's going to be a licensing deal. We're going to turn this thing into something big, and that's the play. What's the difference? I think as as we're just going through life day to day, there are VC firms. That's their criteria, and this is what they're looking for. And they've got guys on the street looking for these deals, talking to people every single day, opposed to an angel investor their attitude may be a little more lax, kind of like, hey, if you got a good deal, you know, bring it my way, I'll look at it. You know, we've got some extra money. Equity financing generally does not come with any fixed repayment plan. So different from the bank, where I've got a monthly payment, what I've really got in an angel investor or VC deal is I've got a partner. The expected return typically for a VC is typically a five to 10 year window is what they're looking for. You know, I think one of the biggest advantages to getting the right VC partner is you get all this knowledge and all the resources. They're doing this every day. So they know that when we as entrepreneurs, business owners, um, we need this resource. We run into this problem they know the resource we need. So no, 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 you need a business attorney to do this. Call this guy. I'm going to call him first, set up the appointment or things are going really well, really well. And we need another cash infusion. We need another million dollars. We need $10 million. Well, the VC's got it. Typically they've got it and they're right here. They're our partner. Many times, equity financing can require you to validate your business, and sometimes that can be difficult up front. So we've kind of got to prove the model. We've got to show that we've got some credibility in this space. And if the space is new to us, we're not going to be there. I personally see these guys all the time. They... They call me, they want to meet me for lunch. It's a guy that I know or an acquaintance or something. And yeah, hey, Brad, I got this idea. It's great. And and I'm like, okay, you know, do you have a business plan? Do you have projections? Do you have, they don't have anything. All they've got is an idea in their head that doesn't work for me. I'm not, I'm not the bank and I'm not requiring you to put your house up. But before I write you a check of, $50,000, I want to know that my money's not at risk. What are you doing with it? Bringing additional shareholders 
into your deal means you're diluting, in some cases you're diluting everyone, and you're certainly diluting yourself. So meaning you're giving away part of your business, and that's just kind of a con. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. I would rather have 10% of a billion dollars than 100% of a $10 million business. But the point is, where are we going? It's not all about money. It's about getting there in business. But what good is it to get there if you don't own any of it at the finish line? If we continue to raise money, we could uh, end up owning a very small piece of our own company. The fifth opportunity for your financing is alternative financing. You know, a lot of times it's blue chip companies with assets. Well, it can apply to us too as small business people. What about our inventory? What about our receivables? What about factoring? Those are all different alternative ways to get financing if we've got large amounts of inventory. This is sometimes referred to as convertible income shares. It, it's kind of a hybrid between early stage funding and startup. But the pros and cons of revenue-based financing, companies with reoccurring and high volume revenue can take advantage of this. Oftentimes, it's capped based on a factor of the net. Depends on what sector you're in, what market you're in, etc. But that's an option for you. Oftentimes, these options have to be repaid faster. So it's 30 days out, it's 60 days out, it's 90 days out. It's a short-term thing. It may be reoccurring, but it's going to be in smaller segments typically. There's no minimum payment required, no dilution of the company. If your revenue's reduced, then your payments are reduced. It's unlike a fixed payment that you have at the bank. This type of loan can be really expensive. If your revenues are growing rapidly, it could be more costly than other alternatives. So I want to caution you, this happens a lot, don't get stuck in that short-term cycle if you need it at some point and you decide you elect to take that option, don't get stuck there if at some point you should go get bank financing or some other financing. Don't be afraid to make that change. Revenue-based financing is typically only available to a company that has a revenue stream of at least $10,000 monthly. Your lender's going to want to charge a fee. 1% to 2% can be the fee up front. Makes it a little more pricey, a little more spendy. As an alternative method of financing, I also want to talk about crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is something that still very popular. I think really hit a high a few years back, but very much part of our culture. And what is crowdfunding? What's that mean? Well, it's people that we don't necessarily know. And we can go on a platform, I think of Kickstarter, and there are others. You offer up your product, and typically it's an idea in startup phase. People buy it. It's really pre-orders. Just by getting pre-orders, we know we've got a profit margin in there. Let's get some pre-orders, and 
Typically, too, with crowdfunding, we've got a minimum order we need to meet. A little twist on that crowdfunding is some companies will give some kind of equity stake. Investors, now I'm going to call them, the buyers, the purchasers, they've got some kind of equity stake. You know, as little as it might be, they're intricate in helping us get our business going and we've given them something. Those are typically very, very, very small, but they do have some ownership, vested interest in seeing our success, etc. One the drawbacks to doing some kind of crowdfunding are you've got these other parameters that you're beholden to. We've absolutely got to produce this product or this money's got to go back where it came from. That's why we use a platform because they're responsible to ensure those parameters happen, that that money goes back if in fact it didn't happen. We're paying some kind of fee or percentage to the platform. Is your idea even viable? And that's a great way at a very low cost to find out if this idea even works. Of course, I love my idea and you love your idea and we know it'll work, but will it really? Does everyone else love it as much as you do? You know, as we talk about mix and matching funding, what does that even mean? It's really when we're at one level and it kind of slingshots us into the next level. And crowdfunding is a great platform or base for that to happen. 50000 in sales to prove this concept for it to be viable to be profitable, but we in fact get 100,000 in sales or 250,000 in sales, five times what we projected and needed, we can now go to the VC guys and say, hey, here's what I've got. I've got pre-orders. I need to fill them, etc." It's a way for you to leverage your business. You know, the final thing I want to talk about, a private placement memorandum referred to as a PPM. Well, a private placement memorandum based on the Security and Exchange Act 1933, small cap, five to $10 million. It is like a VC deal in that you've got investors in your business and it could be that your VC partners are utilizing a PPM anyway. But if you have... The friends out there, different from funding from friends and family, we're looking for five to ten million dollars, not looking for a hundred thousand. What I've got to present is an offering. So instead of shares in the company, typically they're buying warrants in the company. I'm not on a bank schedule. I don't have a payback. I do get the partner. I get all this knowledge expertise, experience that comes with those lenders, partners, if you will. Typically who this investor is, they're well-versed. These guys, they've already got millions of dollars in the market. They own a second and third home. The grandkids' education's funded. They've got every car they want, etc. They're looking to do something else. They want to do something fun. They want to help people like you and me and they want to see our business grow. And these are typically people, guys, with a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. 
that can give us some guidance and direction. A common question is, hey, Brad, I've got like $50,000 worth of debt. Can I take part of this $5 million and pay it off? No, you cannot. You can't do that. You've got a salary. Here it is. What you can do is you can go get a company car. Your investors, this is a $10 million company. It's all perception at this point, right? They don't want to see you running down in a running around a broke down car. There goes the president of my company. And they don't want to see you driving a new Rolls Royce. They're thinking, what am I doing? Financing his life. So let's go get something, a vehicle that makes sense. If that's where we're at, you can do that. All of these things we've talked about today, we've gone through half a dozen different ways to finance a startup or early stages of your business. Figure out which option works best for you. And certainly there's one out there. While most of us will do either personal finance and friends and family, there are a handful of other options. I would encourage you, no matter what your startup method is, look ahead to what could be coming, as well as figuring out your exit strategy, figure out your growth plan. What's that look like? How do we get to the next phase? Love you guys. I'll see you in the next one.